My name is Ed Peters, and I welcome you to another broadcast of What's New. We move on today to verses 13 through 17 of Matthew chapter 3, which brings us to the end of this chapter. These verses deal with the baptism of Christ in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. John had just told the people, those that had come to him for baptism, that there is one coming, referring to Israel's Messiah, whose shoes I am not worthy to carry, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. This was in verses 11 and 12, the focus on our previous study. Now, here in the remaining verses of this chapter, Matthew describes for us the coming of Jesus to the Jordan River for the purpose of being baptized. This event the water baptism of Christ raises some very important questions. John's baptism was for the purpose of redemption. His message was, confess your sins, repent, and be baptized. Jesus, of course, was sinless. So, why the need for his baptism? This will be our focus on today's study. Now, here are verses 13 through 17 of Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized there by John. John didn't want to do it. This isn't proper, he said. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you. But Jesus said, Please do it, for I must do all that is right. So then John baptized him. After his baptism, as soon as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened to him. He saw the Spirit of God coming down in the form of a dove. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Here to bring us our study for today is Pastor Henry Harder. To Christianity, Christ is crucial. I read of a man some time ago who claimed to be a Christian. 
but stated that Christ really wasn't necessary to Christianity. To him, a Christianity without Christ was possible. Christ wasn't needed. That seemed so ludicrous to me at the time, and it does so even more now than then. Without Christ, there could be no Christianity. But more than that, without a Christ, who was the sinless Lamb and Son of God, there would be no gospel and no forgiveness of sin. When Jesus walked down to the Jordan where John was baptizing, John recognized him, not just as his second cousin Jesus, but as the sinless Lamb of God. One writer said about Jesus that the value of his dying depends on the virtue of his living. If Jesus wasn't sinless, then he would not be our sin-bearer. Then he himself would need forgiveness. Evidently, when Jesus came to John in the Jordan, John recognized his superiority, his sinlessness. John knew that Jesus did not meet the requirements for his baptism. John's baptism required repentance from sin, and Jesus had no sin. Therefore, John's baptism didn't apply to Jesus. John recognized that he himself should rather be baptized by Jesus. The Baptist found himself in a strange situation. He had trouble with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who evidently wanted to be baptized, but who did not repent of their sin and were therefore not worthy to be baptized. They were sinners who had not repented. Now came a person who needed no repentance. In the case of the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were men who were not worthy of baptism. In the case of Jesus, here was a baptism that was not worthy of the man. John had never told anyone that they were so good that they needed no repentance and no baptism until now. The Bible is clear, and it should be obvious to every human that all are sinners in need of salvation except the sinless, perfect, unique Son of God. I should say here that John's baptism is not the same as Christian baptism. Christian baptism is an act of obedience to the Lord on the basis of having received the life of Christ by accepting Him as Savior. It is an act of identifying with the Lord and with His people, the Church. Jesus insisted that John baptize him. His baptism would not be on the basis of repentance, nor on the basis of conversion. Jesus himself said that it was necessary to fulfill all righteousness. It isn't precisely known what Jesus meant by this. I don't believe that Jesus was suggesting to John that he was the representative of his people, and so he was confessing the sins of his people like Moses, Daniel, and Ezra, and those before him. He was not acting for the Jews on their behalf was repenting, and therefore should be baptized by John. No one can repent for another. Each person must do that for himself. Perhaps Jesus was identifying himself with sinners in general, so that he would bring in righteousness for all people. He identified with us humans at the deepest level of our need. When Jesus went to the cross in order that each one of us could receive his righteousness. The basic meaning of the word baptize is identification. Jesus died for us in our place. 
He totally identified with every sinner and took every sin upon himself and was sacrificed on God's altar. Perhaps his baptism by John was in anticipation of his baptism into death on the cross, whereby he would bring in righteousness for everyone who received him. Whatever the precise meaning, when Jesus came out of the water, heaven opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus was authenticated from heaven. God put his stamp of approval on Christ, his unique Son. When another John, the writer of the gospel, described this same scene, he quotes John the Baptist as saying, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, that is on Jesus. Then John the Baptist adds, I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. John 1, 29 to 34 the fact that the Spirit of God in the form of a dove came and rested on Jesus verified to John that Jesus was indeed the unique Son of God. Perhaps John remembered the messianic words of Isaiah in 11, 1 and 2, where that prophet writes these words about the Messiah, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. When John the Baptist saw this, he knew without a doubt that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. That verified it for John. Perhaps John remembered the words of Psalm 2, where God, speaking about the anointed one, the Messiah, said, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Or perhaps John was thinking about the Davidic covenant, recorded in 2 Samuel 7:14 where God said about David, I will be his father and he will be my son. John knew that one greater than David had arrived, the one so long expected, Jesus Christ, God's unique son, foretold by the prophets. How could God have a son? He had no consort like pagan deities. How could Christ be called God's son when he was eternal and had no birth? The explanation lies in the fact that while Christ and God are eternal, theirs was a unique relationship, like Father and Son within the Trinity. Jesus was called God's Son long before he was born as a human male in Bethlehem's stable. When John saw Jesus approaching, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. That's why Jesus, God's Son, came to our planet to remove sin from every person who wanted forgiveness.
What's new is a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 840H after California, 93263, USA.